Good morning, Parkview. My name is Kim Whetstone. It's good to see you this morning. I like the enthusiasm. Um, my name is Kim Whetstone, and I'm one of the pastors here at Parkview, and we are so glad that you are here this morning. And um, if you have been out for a couple weeks or if you're new to Parkview, I just want to update you. We've been in the midst of a series called Greater Than where we have been thinking about some things in our lives that are really greater when we're doing them with God. And so we began our first week by exploring this idea that saying yes to God is greater than saying no to God. And then we moved into the second week where we explored this idea that living our lives generously in giving is much better than being all about getting all the time. And last week, we began to talk about this idea of desire and how when we get in touch with our desire, the desire of our soul for more of God, and we follow that desire toward Jesus, that moving toward Jesus and being there is much greater than staying here where we are. And today, we're going to explore the idea of circles being, redder, being greater than rows in every area of our life, when it comes to our spiritual formation, when it comes to our interaction in the world, that circles are greater than rows. So I want to begin this morning, uh, if you will participate with me, and I'm hoping that that enthusiasm was a really good sign, um, but with some word association. And so if you're not familiar with word association, I will say a word, and then I want you to communicate back to me the first word that comes to your mind. So let's go ahead and just try this out real quick. If I say the word pen, you say pencil. Did anyone say pineapple? <laughs> I know, right? You can thank me on Wednesday when you're thinking pen, pineapple, apple, pen. Um, but pencil, yes, absolutely. So we're going to go through a few of those. So if you'll just engage with me, when I say the word friend, you think yes. What else? Family. What else? Okay. <laughs> Friends, family, enemy. There were a lot of other amazing ones that were shouted to. Now, are you ready for the next word? Stranger. Danger. Danger. Man, those like dare police officers did a great job with us in elementary school, didn't they? All right. And how about the word risk? What was that? Reward. Interesting. Reward. And then I heard taker. Also trouble. Yeah, that's a good one. Faith. Wow. Yeah. And what about community? Longing. Longing. <laughs> Neighborhood. Church. Wow. So when you guys thought of the word friend, you also thought of friends. I like how you made it plural. I, I value that creativity immensely. Um, family and enemy. I also heard someone say frenemy, which is interesting. With the word stranger, there was the resounding response, danger. And with risk, the idea of reward. So good. Taker, trouble, and faith. 
And with community, your, your responses were many, but the ones that I was able to hear up here were longing, neighborhood, and church. It's interesting because for us to be involved in circles, it requires that we are open to friends, to strangers, that we consider the idea of risk. And yet with each and every one of these words, there is some bit of, I don't know if I want to use the word negativity, but definitely challenge, friend, enemy, stranger, danger, risk, taker, trouble, risk, trouble, community, longing. Within church circles in America, it has often been said that community is the most overpromised, underdelivered aspect of the Christian faith. For some of us, we have found community in Christian circles that is fulfilling. But for many of us, Christian community has disappointed us, or it's even hurt us. Have you felt that? Have you experienced that? And yet even with this tension, there is still something in us that, like you said about community, longs for community, longs for relationship with other people. Something in us still longs for connections that are found in small circles of friends where we can be seen and known and embraced just as we are where we can be real, where we can be messy. For many of us, we find ourselves trapped in this awkward place between longing for true community and trying to avoid the discomfort that can come when we take the risk of being known by other imperfect people. So we manage our desire and we we kind of try to navigate this reluctance to be in community in a number of ways. For some of us, we have decided that we are going to relegate the idea of community to gathering together in corporate worship for one hour a week on Sunday morning because we're tired, we're disillusioned, and we just don't have it left to give. But when I come to church... At least that feels safe. And for others of us, the idea of smaller community is very exciting, but in order to avoid the discomfort, we handpick those with whom we will be in community, carefully putting together a group of people who think like us, who act like us, who look like us, who are like us, and at some level we are sanitizing community so it won't challenge us too much, so it won't make us too uncomfortable. Without even realizing it, in an effort to create this safe space, we end up building walls and building fences around our groups, and we pull our chairs together in these nice, tight little circles, and we turn our back to the world so that we can feel safe. And in the midst of doing this, what we don't realize is that we make a choice for God about who will and who won't be considered our neighbor. Yet some of us still will go in all the way 
and we lead a life group at Parkview, and, and we find the balance of community and care and confidentiality and journeying through life together while still leaving rooms for others to join in. Navigating this balance in community can be stretching at moments, and it's very challenging. But when it occurs, we recognize that our spiritual growth and our spiritual transformation is not only for the abundance of our own lives, but it is always, always for the sake of others. In these spaces, we learn that time spent well in Christian community will always draw us outward and always move us to invite people into our circles. These permeable boundaries around our groups require us to trust God more deeply as we are stretched to practice hospitality and to trust the presence of Christ working among us as we open up our stories to new people, one of the most challenging things to do. This type of community is deeply rich and it, it places us at the edge of ourselves. When it feels good, we are operating out of our strengths in the areas where we are whole in Christ. And it feels kind of comfortable when we're in that space. But as we begin to engage with others who challenge us, as we have that person in our group who makes us want to pull our hair out, we are brought to the edge of ourselves, right? Through discomfort, we are brought to the edge of ourselves and we begin to see the areas where we need to be more patient and we need to be more loving. And it's right there in that place of discomfort that Jesus moves in us and invites us into new ways of being and does a deep work of transformation in our hearts if we will allow it. The reality is that that space that we live in within the context of community where we are being stretched and we're uncomfortable and God is showing us our unlikeness to Christ that that is the ideal place for spiritual growth. And as awkward and as weird and as uncomfortable it is, it is at times, when we live in that space, we will always, always experience deep transformation in Christ as long as we open ourselves up to him. But I get it. I get the desire for comfort. I get the tendency towards sanitized community, hand-picked community. I felt that tension myself. I've been there. But God has called us to something that feels a little bit weird, something that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. And there's no denying that we were created for community. You see, we were created in the image of a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who exist in perfect unity within the Trinity. And as you may recall, at the end of the Gospels, Jesus leaves his followers with the task of going and making disciples of Jesus. Discipleship is simply seeking to live in love like Jesus did in our relationships with others in the context of our messy, ordinary lives. That's all it is. As bearers of the image of God, we are created for community, 
but also as ones entrusted with the mission of discipleship, we are called to community. We are called to be in relationship with others. When you go to scripture, there are many examples where we see community in the church. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament, especially when we look at Jesus and the life of his followers. And as we carry on in the New Testament, we also see it in Acts. So today we're going to spend a little bit of time in Acts. We're kind of going to be in a few places, so just hang in there with me. Now what we find in Acts is a record of the people of God living out the purposes of God, empowered by the very Spirit of God, as they lean into God's call for us to make disciples, to be in community with others. And as you may recall, early on in Acts, the church is experiencing this time of explosive growth. They're sharing the gospel in synagogues, and we see times and moments where thousands of people come to know Jesus. And those people are baptized, and then they're invited into community. They become a part of the church. And Luke records this almost idyllic image of the church, of community, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and their possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need, day by day, continuing with one mind in temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, such a beautiful image of unity And this continual coming together and breaking bread together, this idea that somebody had your back, that someone would sell all your possessions, all their possessions to make sure that you were taken care of. It's amazing, right? It's beautiful. And many of us look at this image in Acts and we go, sweet, like, yes, that is the church I want to be. That is the church that I want to see. And we long for this image of Christian community and the generosity and the kindness We kind of idealize this amazing community that we see in the early church. And it was truly beautiful. All those languages spoken, all those different people coming together in unity. It was beautiful. I've even heard some of us say, I wish we could return to the church as it was In Acts chapter 2. How many of you long for that? How many of you have ever thought that? Yeah. The question I ask you today is, do you really? Do you really long for the Acts 2 church? 
Because at the time that this idyllic image of Acts 2 church was, was being written, the church had not yet faced some key challenges that would, that would stretch them and expand their understanding of community. And at this time in the church, there was a reason why we see so many speeches being given in the synagogues. There was a reason why we see such unity, because it was the belief and the understanding that Jesus was for God's chosen people. Jesus was for the Jews and for those who had converted to Judaism. Well, yes, there was diversity. I wonder how much easier it was for them to engage in community. After all, they shared a common Jewish culture. They shared common meals. They shared common ways of living life and thinking about God. They even shared a common calendar around which they ordered their lives. It was all a part of their Jewish beliefs. The truth is, it's a lot easier to be in community with people who are like us. It just is. Do you see it? When you listen to the scripture, do you hear it? This idyllic image of the church, these little pockets of believers, these little circles of community were reserved for the ones they understood to be the rightful recipients of God's grace. And at that moment in the church's history, there was no intentional effort on behalf of the body of Christ to seek out or to evangelize their Gentile neighbors because they believed that Gentiles were outside of God's covenant Gentiles were a little weird to them. It made them a little bit uncomfortable. So unless you sit in this room today and you are of Jewish descent or you somewhere along the way converted to Judaism, the early churchgoers were not looking to share the love and the grace of Jesus Christ and the resurrecting and transformational power of Jesus with people like you and people like me. Their religious communities were closed to us. As Gentiles, we were out of the paradigm. We weren't even a part of their worldview. There were no seats in their circles for us. No place in God's community for us. But then, in Acts chapter 10... God calls the Apostle Peter to do something that's a little bit weird. And that's a little bit uncomfortable. In Acts chapter 10, there's this guy named Cornelius, and he's a soldier. And he believes in one God, though he's not Jewish. And he, he really values the moral and the ethical principles of Judaism. And he's just hanging out one day and just soldiering, doing what soldiers do. And an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Cornelius, I've seen your generosity. God has seen your generosity because he was always giving to the poor. God thinks it's pretty cool. And God wants you to go find this guy in Yape named Peter, and invite him to come hang out at your house. 
So Cornelius sends a couple of servants on the way to Yappe. And at the same time, as they're journeying to Yappe, Peter is hungry for an afternoon snack. And he decides that he's going to go engage in a time of prayer before his snack. And as he is praying, he enters into this trance, and he has this, like, really wacky vision of a sheet, a sheet descending down from heaven, and it has, like, penguins in it, and snakes in it, and pigs, and elephants. It has all these birds, and reptiles, and four-footed creatures in it. And as the sheet descends, Peter hears this voice say, Get up, Peter, eat and kill. And Peter responds, Surely not, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And it's important for us to understand that within Peter's worldview, within his cultural context, this voice was asking him to do something that wasn't in line with his paradigm of who God was. So Peter says, Of course not. And then the voice says, Do not call anything impure that God has called clean. Do not call anything impure that God has called clean. And Peter hears this voice, and this happens three more times. And I'm going to begin reading from Acts chapter 17. If you, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 17, if you want to open your Bible or you can use your phone. Um, But I'm going to be walking us through this text piece by piece because I believe that how we see Peter respond here, that he takes three significant movements. And that if we engage in these same movements, that we will be empowered by God's Spirit to live in community more fully. So beginning in Acts chapter 10, verse 17, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is righteous and God-fearing. He is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear all that you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. In this first movement, we see that Peter moves from hesitancy to hospitality. Peter did not know these men. And given the household they were from, we know that they were likely Gentiles. And as a Jew, Peter wasn't supposed to be hanging out with Gentiles. But he takes the first steps that we too must take if we are to engage in community. And that is to move beyond all that is making us hesitant and to move into hospitality. 
In hospitality, we acknowledge our hesitancy and we choose to open our homes and our lives anyway. And the amazing thing is is that as we step into hospitality and God highlights those areas of hesitancy in our hearts, they become those deep places of transformation for us. And as we create places in our circles for others, not only is our transformation about us, but it also provides a space for others to know Jesus and be transformed too. So like Peter, if we are going to engage in community, we must move from hesitancy to hospitality. And the text continues in verse 23. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Yape went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius proceeds to tell Peter about his vision. He explains, we are here to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. You see, Peter was comfortable hanging out with Jewish believers. It fit nicely into his paradigm. And in choosing to go with Cornelius' men, in choosing to go with, into Cornelius' home and associate with Gentiles, something that was forbidden, Peter is, step, is stepping away from every bit of comfort that he has ever known. But he chooses to put discomfort aside, his anxieties aside, his fears aside, and to share the love of Jesus with his group of strangers anyway. Here Peter moves from comfort to courage. The truth is that if you and I are to engage in community, if you and I are going to welcome others into our circles, we must, we must receive God's invitation to live a life of courage. Welcoming the other, welcoming the stranger, welcoming the person who stretches us is not easy work. It requires us to be courageous. It requires us to step out and to trust God more deeply. It requires us yet again to understand that where our discomfort lies is the ideal place for God to transform us and make us more like Jesus. We must move from comfort to courage. And then picking up at verse 34, Peter speaks the most powerful words He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, 
but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. From this place, Peter goes into the entire story of redemption, and we see all of these people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And they're baptized, and they're welcomed into community. And the church is changed forever. Do you see it? If you listen to the text, do you hear it? Peter could have let his hesitancy paralyze him. Peter could have let his desire for comfort and his desire to protect what he knew and understood about God to keep him at a distance from the Gentiles. He could have handpicked the most comfortable Jewish believers, brothers and sisters, to be in community with. He could have walked in accordance with Judaic law and not put his reputation with the elders and the church leaders in Jerusalem on the line or his worldview at risk. But instead, instead of creating this tight circle and pushing people out, Peter moves from hesitancy to hospitality and from comfort to courage. And he pulls up a chair for you and I to sit in the circle of God's community. And it's here that he makes his final movement. That Peter moves from writing his own story to participating in God's greater story of redemption. When faced with the Acts 2 church in all of its beauty, in all of its generosity and inspiring imagery, but at the same time, all of its exclusivity, Peter chose to, to break through religious walls and to tear down religious fences and to build longer tables and pull up more chairs so that you and I could have a seat at God's table. Do you understand that it wasn't until this moment that it was understood that the promises of God were for us too? And it all happened because Peter said yes to God and made space for us in a circle in obedience to God. At times, God calls us to do things that are a little bit weird and a little bit uncomfortable. And I have to ask, What do your circles look like today? Are they beautiful and inspiring and yet somewhat exclusionary, like the Acts 2 church? Or are your circles messy and transforming for you and others, and do they mess with your worldview and expand your understanding of who God is? Are they beautifully permeable, like the Acts 10 church? Peter, in obedience to God, pulled up a chair so that you and I might have a seat in God's circle 
forever. Circles truly are greater than rows. Is there room for any extra chairs in your circles? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, we thank you that you love us deeply and that you love us enough to put us in places that are uncomfortable to us and that at times feel weird and they stretch us. But God, that you do that because you long to be in deeper relationship with us and you long for us to experience deep transformation and wholeness in our lives. God, I pray that you would empower us to move from hesitancy to hospitality. I pray that you would make us brave, God, and you would help us move from comfort into courage. And I pray, God, that we would surrender our stories to you and that you would highlight those, God, that need to be invited into our circles because they too, they too need to hear the work of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our resurrected King who loves us and invited us to be in relationship with God so that we could live with him forever. God, change us make us more like you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, will you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, God, we thank you that you love us enough to place us in uncomfortable situations with other people that show us our strengths, and the areas where we are like you and also show us those areas where we need to become more like you, Jesus. Where we need to be more loving and more patient. God, give us the strength to move toward hospitality. God, give us the strength to walk in courage. Give us the strength to surrender our stories to you, God that we might be a part of your greater redemptive story here in the world. God, make us brave enough to pull up chairs and always have an extra seat for someone new in our circles, God, so that they can come to know the transforming love and power and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that Peter pulled up a chair for us and that we stand here today because of it. God, transform us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like more prayer today, there are going to be a couple people down front. You can come down for a prayer. But if not, we will see you next week. Bye-bye.